Wine, Food, Talk. NapaBroadcasting.com. Welcome to NapaBroadcasting.com. I'm Jeff Sheckman here with Michael Haley. Here I am. And we're live. How are you? I'm good. It's great to be here. It is good to have you here. It's been a long time it since has, we've done all this. That's one of the more memorable things for me, though, is the radio show. We did this show a lot. We did it a lot. And, yes. uh, you know, it's great to be back again and one last shot at it. And I'm excited well, about it. Well, speaking of one last shot, let's uh, talk a little bit about that. You are uh, leaving, not just moving close by or around the corner or across town or in the Bay Area, for that matter. You're, nope. you're going further away. Time for a big change. We're moving down to Ojai, and we decided to sell our property here in Napa. Uh, we'd gotten to a point, you know, I'm 62. My wife's almost 60. We didn't have heirs. <laughs> And there were a lot of changes going on uh, where we had a lot of unplanted acreage and we were going to, you know, new leases or contracts coming up. And it just occurred to us, you know, why keep fighting with this? Uh, let's let's sell it and move on. So that's what we decided to do. How tough a decision was that? Not all, not because of the personal stuff. And certainly we all buy, sell, move, all of that. But you were invested here. You were part yeah. of the community. You right. were on the editorial board at the paper. Right. You were on uh, Parks and Open Space. I mean, you were very, very involved. Yes, I was very involved. And what happened for me, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's different for myself than for my wife. It was a very difficult decision for her, and she had a hard time with it. Uh, for me, after the whole Napa pipe thing, I kind of felt like, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years you know, Napa is great for local politics if you want to be an activist, if you want to get involved. And I was involved, like you say, I was involved in everything. Right. I mean, you look at the list of different committees and political things that I was involved with. There's a long list. And something kind of went out of me right then. And I, I kind of felt like, you know what, I've kind of accomplished what I wanted to do here with politics. And I started looking around for something else. And that's kind of what started a whole thinking process that led to wanting to move. At that time, at first, when I first started feeling that way, I, I, it didn't even occur to me, I'll move. It was more like, I'd like to try something new, but I'm not sure what it is. I get bored after a while, you know? What was it about the politics and, and being involved in that that caused you to become disenchanted? What was it about Napa Pipe? What was uh, it in general that, well, that caused I wasn't you to get really, that way? I, I don't think I would say that I was disenchanted. I just felt finished. I had pushed really hard. I had a vision for what Napa would be in the future. And I wanted it to stay as a smaller, more close-knit community. So as you know, I fought Napa Pipe really hard. And one thing about me is that there's just been different battles that have gone on. And some I've, you know, my side has won, some my side has lost. But I'm always able to let go. See, we all lost you because I wanted it to be 3,000 homes. You know, I yeah. thought 1,000 well, was I really too small. I think it would be a lot smarter right now <laughs> if it were bigger. Instead of a Costco, we could use housing. But, but what happened was, you know, basically I lost. My side lost the Napa pipe battle, and I accepted that. And then I thought, um, I realized that Napa was just going to change and Napa was going to grow. And, and that was going to be the way of it. And I wasn't disenchanted or unhappy about that necessarily even but it was more that it wasn't heading in the direction where I wanted to go and so you know that kind of started that thought process now I could find a way for myself in Napa for sure and doing other things but it, somewhere the excitement just went out of that I felt like I'd accomplished something uh, I, I felt like I'd accomplished a lot actually in, in what I did 
and I just needed something else. So, how long had you been here? Uh, at that time, yeah, I think it was. I'd been here about ten or eleven years. Mm-hmm. And your wife grew up here, or really has even she has was deep born, roots here. She was born right. here. She was uh, lived in a house that was on our property that we just sold uh, when she was born. Her parents lived there. Five years old, her father died, and her mother remarried and married someone who lived in Salinas, in the Salinas area. So she moved out, um, but her grandparents were still here, and she was very close to them. So she spent a lot of time up in Napa through her childhood, but graduated from high school in Salinas. And then as soon as she graduated, she moved back up here. She went to Napa Valley College. Mm -hmm. She worked at Silverado uh, the year they opened, I think. Um, So she's strongly connected here, much more so than I am. Mm -hmm. And plus, the property is property that's been owned by her family, more or less. They've bought and sold at times, but that general property has been in her family since the late 1800s. So, so how, that's, t- how that's tough a decision was, was so that hard for her? You know, to let that go. But when the time came, it just it was a decision that just seemed, you know, it made most so much sense. It was time to do that. Um, so she went through a lot about that uh, emotionally herself. But I think. Um, you know, she eventually came around and I kind of was thinking about moving for a while, but I didn't press her on it at all. And if she had wanted to stay, I would have been glad to stay. To what extent did you think about it in terms of the amount of time and effort that you had put into all of these various committees and boards and all the, the political work and community work that you had done, that in many ways it was an investment, an investment of time. Yeah. And the extent to which, you know, do I really want to just let this investment go? Do, yeah. do I need to figure out a way for it to pay off in some way? Yeah, that's my wife kept asking me about that. I don't mind letting things go. You know, I write things. I wrote a lot of articles. Sometimes I'd run across a newspaper online where somebody had completely stolen one of my articles word, word for word and reprinted it, <laughs> you know. Once I do something, I just let it go. I'm on to something else. You can always create something new. And to me, that's a more exciting process than to try to hang on to what you've already got. I'm much more interested in creating something new. So it is a, it was a big investment of time, but um, I got a lot out of it just by doing it. So I already got what I needed out of it, which was in the process of doing it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I wouldn't even give that a second thought. Other mm-hmm. people, you're not the first person that said that. You know, I mean, I'm well known around town. I have a certain amount of status, if not a lot of status in certain circles. I could maybe run for office again or certainly, you know, be involved at some level right. in the political structure, well-known, put a lot of time in. But um, there's other things for me to do right now. That's how I feel. So I'm I'm happy to let that go and, you know, take my chances creating a new life somewhere else. And as you look back on, on all those years here in Napa, talk about what, what you reflect on. What's changed? What do you like that's changed? Didn't dislike that's changed? Um, I mean, obviously, too much growth is an issue. I mean, we talked about Napa. Yeah, Pipe, it but- is from that point of view. But my point of view has kind of changed. I mean, you know what? Ha- there was one. It's one of those epiphany things. A lot of times the way things happen for me is one thing happens. I read one sentence in an article or somebody says one sentence. And I, it strikes me, and my whole point of view changes. And what happened to me is that I, there was like this committee of people who were the opposition to Napa Pipe. They'd formed a little group. They're, they're, I won't name any names. It's a very right. familiar group of people. And at one point in these committee meetings, uh, and I'll say that the, uh, the trade unions were involved in those meetings, Sierra Club, Get a Grip on Growth, you know, all the usual suspects that would be against this, right? Right. 
and they said, well, everyone here has to make a commitment to growth, you know, or, or you can't be in this committee. And I'm like, wait, I thought this committee was about, I didn't say anything out loud. Right. And I realized that everybody in that committee wanted growth. The union guys wanted growth because they want the jobs. They want to build hotels. Right. They want to build wineries. Uh, the the get a grip on growth and the other people, they're all committed to affordable housing. They want to build housing. And I thought, well, if we're going to, you know, and it just hit me in that moment that everybody in Napa wants growth. What are we doing? I'm wasting my time fighting Napa Pipa. I'm not going to win. People want growth. Average people, they want a Costco. You know, I talk to people, you know, at parties who I knew weren't involved in politics at all. And I'd say, what would you think of the new movie theater? Oh, it's great. I got a new place to take my kids. I love it. They're not thinking, oh, there's going to be more traffic, you know on Amola now, they're thinking, I got a place to take my kids. And it just dawned on me in that meeting as if this group right here of all people is committing to growing Napa, Napa's going to grow. And that's the way people want well, it. And e that's I what's going to happen. Every place is going to grow. It's really a question of how much and how fast. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, you and I have debated these issues for years. And, right. you know, I've never met a project I didn't like yeah, or you know, exactly. more development that I didn't like. Right. But, you know, and, and certainly it's not necessarily going to grow that fast. But, you know, any place that is popular, that is a destination that people love and that they enjoy is going to grow. I mean, it's, well, it's, you could it's shut it down. the reality of nature. Well, it kind of is. It, it's the reality of, of American society. Economic nature. But it could be stopped. I mean, there there's cities in Europe that haven't grown in centuries, right? And it's because of local laws and local control. You can do that. From our point of view, here in Napa and in America, it would be incredibly draconian. I don't think people would be in favor of it, but it is possible to do it. But basically, you just have to shut everything down. I mean, you can't be talking about you know, not building more wineries, you got to be talking about not building more hotels, not allowing bike rental services, not allowing any limo service, you know, you just have to, you'd have to shut the right. economy down basically. Right. But there's places but, that have done that. You can't yeah, do I it. Mean, but, there are places that have done it, but they've also died economically. Yeah. Well, yeah. Don't talk about St. Helena like that. You were good. Well, there you go. <laughs> the defense rests, Your Honor. <laughs> yeah. The chickens come home to roost. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, and so it just hit me. Napa is not going to be the place that, that, you know, I was trying to make it. And there was nothing wrong with me having a different vision or trying to do it. But there was nothing, there's nothing wrong with people who want it to grow, too. And there's a lot of positive benefits to it, really. I mean, and we're seeing that already. I think Napa's grown. It's grown a lot, even in the last two years. And it's going to continue. And it's not just from... You know, there's this 2050 group and people who are now trying, you know, I couldn't get any traction back then. I could hardly anybody agree with me. And as soon as I decided it's a lost cause, give it up, move on to something else, then all these other people got involved. It was kind of interesting. But I think they're, it's too little too late. It's not going to work. Um, but anyway, that's what they're doing. Um, but it is going to grow and you're not going to be able to slow down. You know, they growth. named it 2050 because they were also freaking nearsighted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um in their approach to everything <laughs> right yeah uh, they need to work it they need to work on it um but stopping winery growth even if you didn't build one single more winery for forever in napa napa would continue to grow in quite a bit mm -hmm. it's already it's already too late it's it's gone too far and but that's not a bad thing at all it's providing, for one thing, it's bringing a lot of younger people into the community. 
They, they have careers. They have opportunities here. There's tremendous opportunity here uh, for somebody starting out in their career and wanting to work their way up. Napa was getting very hidebound, very a lot of old people. You know, when we first moved here, my wife and I used to joke, you know, we were both in our early 50s at that time. We'd go to these meetings and we'd go, oh, my God, we're the youngest people in the room. Uh, it's a very – it's gotten less so. And mm-hmm. you need that. You need, so there's a, this this vibrant energy that's coming in. There's a lot more opportunity for people who are younger, um, and they're moving in that direction. Mary Luros is a good example of a city council person. Mm-hmm. I think she's what 32 years old. Alfredo. Pedroza. Well, look. At, I mean, look at the board of supervisors. I mean, you have Alfredo will be reelected. He's on the board. Yeah. Um, Belia. I'm not sure exactly yeah. how old she is, but she's very young compared yeah. to everybody. Yeah, I mean, she's not 65, right? right? Yeah. No, there's. Um, and that, but there's a lot of, you know, all these yoga studios opening, all these young people, a lot of assistant winemaker level people getting jobs, working their way up in their careers. I think with growth, you open a lot of opportunities for other people and you've, you're seeing that happen. And then they're so um, creative too. Uh, people are like, I was just playing golf with this guy and he's like, oh, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to start a cigar shop. I'm going to start making my own cigars. I'm going down to Costa Rica. I got a partner. And I just realized there's so many entrepreneurial opportunities that are here when you grow mm-hmm. um, for people to do things like that. And I'm sure there's there's a gazillion, you know, people out there with ideas of businesses they want to start. So you create an atmosphere where that kind of thing can happen. So it's very exciting. And, you know, downtown's a real problem. It continues to be a problem. But uh, hopefully when you say it's a problem, away. what do you mean? Well, you look at the what's happened with the town center, especially. Um, town center is going to be fantastic. I hope so. But I remember sitting in an editorial board meeting, and, and I don't remember the date, but I remember Todd Zapolsky saying he expects to have have it filled with store, national retailers by the spring of 2013. Well, it's so, taken longer to build, but, I mean, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah, so downtown's coming. Downtown's yeah. coming around. I mean, you know. There's, it's been difficult, There's, though. you know, his hotel that, that's going to happen down there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be, you know, Harry Price is expanding the Napa River Inn. There'll be more hotels. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it will reach critical mass in a way that will help uh, really feed all that retail, which is desperately needed. Yeah. They need bodies. They need customers to put that in there. It's all about so peeps. It's it's it's. Uh, there's a lot of resistance um, somewhere. You know, but there really isn't. Yeah. There really isn't. I mean, the resist- it's been slow. You know, resist- it's been very. What slow. is that line? I forget what movie. Resistance is futile. Yeah, you will be absorbed. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Resistance is futile. Right. I mean, it is just. You know, it, it it is the law of nature that that growth will happen. Well, maybe, but I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for Napa. But getting back to me, since I appear to be the subject of the interview. But you're you're <laughs> bailing. <laughs> I don't want, yeah, I, I, I want to live in a smaller town. I loved it when Napa was smaller. I've always lived before in big cities, you know, San mm-hmm. Francisco, Los Angeles, Orlando. You're an anonymous somebody in the middle of this big place and uh, – when I got to Napa and I realized I could get involved and be known and be part mm-hmm. of the community, I just love that. So what I would like to do is get to an even smaller town and see what happens with that. So Ojai is like 7,500 people, beautiful little city. You could have moved to St. Helena. Yeah, but it's 
it's not really by itself up there. Plus, I don't, <laughs> I don't like St. Helena that much. <laughs> I don't know. It's I need something small, different. It's not growing. I need, I need something new, you know. So, uh, yeah. So we'll give Ojai a try. Well, great. And and you've spent some time up there, I assume. Yeah. And... Yeah, that was the thing of it is um, we had gone there on vacation a bunch of times. I hadn't even – didn't occur to me. Uh, that I would move there mm-hmm. initially. But like you had mentioned earlier before we started the show, you used to go up there to play golf. They have mm-hmm. a world-class golf course. I would go there to play golf and just hang out. And, you know, we were very uh, pleased with it. Uh, the atmosphere is, is nice. It's a progressive town, very close-knit community. All the people who live there love living there. That's a good sign, mm-hmm. I think, for a place. You know, if you go to some place and it's like people, eh, I guess it's okay here, don't go there. But uh, everyone seems to have a lot of affection for it. Uh, there's a very core group of people who were born there, grew up there, strong sense of community, close-knit, that, that sort of thing. So favorably impressed by that. How much has it grown? Do you have a sense of that, let's say, over the past? It's actually in- shrunk a little bit. Really? Yeah, because uh, in the 2000 census, they had 8,000 people. Mm-hmm. In the 2010, they had 7,500, which is what I was going by. I do think... The city is small, and I do think there's been some growth, like, around it in the unincorporated mm-hmm. areas around Well, Ventura it. County, we, we, Ventura we, County has grown dramatically. Uh, yeah, so probably around it there's mm-hmm. been growth, but the city itself has actually shrunk. Mm-hmm. So, Has its population aged? I mean, is that part of the, uh, the, the deal? You then? know, I, I'd have to live there for a while to see. <laughs> I, I think schools are very big there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of kids there. So really? it's a very family-oriented place. And they have famous schools there. They're known for their schools. Thatcher School oh, that's right. is that's one of them. Uh, Nordoff High School is another one that's sort of nationally known. I told my brother, he's a high school teacher, and that was the first thing he said is, oh, they've got some of the best schools in the country. I think a lot of people send their kids out there to live to go to the schools. So education is a big deal for them. But there's, it's kind of a tourist town mm-hmm. other, other than that. Tourism is a, a big part of it. Certainly. Yeah, tourism is a big part of the place. But, you know, it's okay because it's so small, you don't have to worry about traffic. It would be nice to – we actually made an offer on a house that's right in town – I'd be able to just walk downtown. I would love to do that, to be able to just ride my bike or walk everywhere I go. So you could have gone to Mill Valley and you wouldn't have had to go Mill so Valley? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I could take <laughs> Mill Valley either. I don't like Marin either. I don't know. Just uh, See, I'm trying. My wife here. used to live in Marin, not in Mill Valley, but we didn't even think of Marin. I think once it crossed our minds and we went, nah, it's very expensive. You wanted and, to stay in California, I gather. Um, not necessarily. No. no, it just sort of evolved that way uh, to, to um, you know, just like the place, like the city. We thought of Santa Fe. Actually, mm-hmm. I was uh, it was my, you know, first thing I thought of, and we went out to Santa Fe and looked at it. But my wife was afraid. She's had some health problems, although she's getting a lot better, um, and maybe it would be okay now. But at the time, it was really hard for her to breathe there. Santa Fe is at 7,200 feet, so it's pretty high up. Right. And uh, it was, it, it, you know, you have to get used to the air there. Didn't bother me. I'd feel it. You know, you'd get short of breath. But I, I knew I'd be fine. But she was very worried about it. So that kind of got us saying, well, maybe not. And California's attractive. The beach is attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of great things about California. So I'm okay with that. I like the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you think that you're going to miss 
Napa in some ways? And what ways do you think you will miss it? Um, yeah, what ways will I miss Napa? Well, I miss the people. I miss mm-hmm. my friends, you know, but I'll see them. I'll make a point to see them. Right. It's so, not that far away. <laughs> right. It's not that far away. We'll be back up here. We'll invite people down, that kind of thing. Um, so that would be the most, uh, the thing that I would probably miss the most. Um, I won't really miss getting involved in the local politics and that type of thing. Will you get involved in local politics there? Do yeah, you I might. I might. Yeah. I'll see. I'm going to see what, what shakes out. Really, what I'm, I'm planning, right now I'm going to chaplaincy school in Berkeley. There's a chaplaincy institute. I wanted institute. to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's kind of what hit me, too, kind of an epiphany. of That's another way to help people. And for me, it's a better way. And it's actually a way that I feel like I know more about. Earlier in my career, I was a psychotherapist right. for 20 years. I was always very spiritually oriented. I taught meditation classes in Los Angeles in the 80s, and I taught people how to work on themselves, how to deal with personal issues, but I never was very overtly spiritual. And I decided, you know what, at this point in my life, it's not like I have to have this career. It's not like I need to make a lot of money doing this, anything like that. I can just do it the way I want to do it. and get as many clients as I get. So that's actually what I'm planning on doing. One of the things Ohio is famous for is its spirituality. Mm-hmm. It's got kind of that new spirituality, new age, new age kind, kind of, of vibe. Kind. But it also has a, a, one of the most famous Jesuit uh, seminaries there too. So there's a lot of all kinds of religious belief there, which I like. Um, I loved seeing the Pope. I thought, thought what the Pope did when he was here was fantastic. This program that I'm going to is an interfaith program. And we have to start working and finding ways to bring people together. And a spirituality is one way to do that. And healing, it's a lot about healing, it's a lot about connection, a lot about love. And so I want to teach people about those things. So I'm very excited about that. That's a far cry from politics today. It's a far (laughs) cry from politics. So I'm I'm changing myself, you know, and so I want to do different things in a different environment. Yeah, that's kind of what it all adds up to. Mm -hmm. And was it a big decision to do that, to, to do the chaplaincy school and to decide that was the path that you wanted to pursue? Not really. Um, you know what happened is that I sort of developed a policy, personal policy of not helping people unless they asked me for it, and which maybe sounds strange, but I have such a helper personality that a lot of times I had a tendency to barge in and help people when they didn't really want my help. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of an odd thing to do. And so I finally decided, you know what? If some, I'll, I, I can tell if somebody wants my help. If they ask me, I'll help them. If they don't, I won't. And so one day this young woman at the yoga center um, asked me for help. And I was like, I've got so, you know, just leave me alone kind of attitude a lot of times. And so I just kind of, you know. And I, Then when I got home, I thought, hey, you know what? I violated my own personal policy. If somebody asks me for help, I ask them. I help them. And it started this, like this one thing of her asking me that, started this whole chain of thought as I was describing. And then it, it was like an epiphany that hit me. That's what I need to do. I need to go back to doing what I was doing earlier in my career, which is the psychotherapy but do it on a more spiritual level, the way that Mm -hmm. I want to do it. So that's what happened that got me started right then. And then I was just web surfing. I hadn't even heard of interfaith or chaplain. And I don't know how. I just ended up on the webpage for this place. And I thought, boy, that's interesting. Interfaith. Read more about it. Spiritual director. It's not really what it sounds. It's like a spiritual counselor. Mm -hmm. It's it's the counseling part of being a minister. Without the preaching every week to the flock, right? right? 
You're just helping people with the counseling type issues. And I thought, that's perfect. When I saw it, that's perfect. I can do that. It'll connect me with a network of people that are doing that type of thing. I'll learn a lot. And I've already, I'm partway through the program right now, just learned a tremendous amount. It's a great program. I've become connected with all these people already all over the United States who are doing this. It's a huge, huge growing thing. And are you able to continue the program it. when you move to Ojai? How does oh, it yeah. Happen? You can mm-hmm. go anywhere, really, mm-hmm. basically. You move to another country if you want to. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the program is distance learning. So mm-hmm. okay. I would have to right. go there. You go for like these week-long intensives. Right. So you've got to be able to have the time and the money but to the be rest able to of go it and is do distance that. Learning, the right. rest you can do at home. Right. Um, you know, you have to see people. There's, there's so many people who have graduated from the program so you go, like like in Ojai, there's probably in that area 12 or 15 people. So I would have to go and meet with them mm-hmm. while I'm in Ojai. Wow. Uh, kind of do some one-on-one work, a couple different people like that. And there's a lot of reading and things like that. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know how I got started on that. But the, but that that's, Well, that's you know, what you're going to do. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm going to do, and that's what my thoughts are more focused on now. So you see why I'm not – I'm so already involved in that and, and want to just go full time with that, that I'm not worrying about, gee, you know, I could have done this or that in Napa or I'm, you know, I, I mean, my mind's not there. I just, I, I'm a traveler as a person. I've lived longer in Napa than anywhere I've lived in my life. Really? Including in my childhood. Yeah. I, so I actually stayed here a long time and it just seems to Did be Did you expect nature. to be here that long when you moved here? No. But don't tell my wife. <laughs> well, I thought we might live the rest of our lives here. I was getting older. You know, right. I thought maybe the moves, you know, I never anticipated moving on purpose. It wasn't like I, you know, when I lived in Atlanta, I said, okay, I'm only going to live here five years. And no matter what happens, I'm going to move. Well, I never in Atlanta, did that. five years is five years too many. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I had a great time in Atlanta, actually. I liked it. I, I don't know what it's like now. It was a long time ago. But, but, uh, but. Events seem to evolve, and and the way this started was, and as you know, because you were the first person just about that I talked to about this, uh, we got into a huge fight with one of the wineries that was we were on contract with, that we had leased with, and that was such a nasty fight. And after that was all over, and we finally won, to my surprise. But that took a lot out of you. Oh yeah, it? yeah, it did. Um, it, it, it actually did damage our opinion of the wine industry. Not so much of Napa and the people here, but just it, it was just realizing that it's a, it's a really heavy-duty commercial business run by one percenters who are hardball players, and even the nice ones get sucked into that. I think business like that has got I, – I feel like business has gotten that way in general a lot. Uh, it's people constantly trying to take advantage of situations to make sure that their interests are, are taken care of. And I, it seems like to me that the world has become more and more aggressive in that regard. And it reaches the point where, you know, you have to have four different lawyers. You have 17 and 30-page document documents you have to read, one-word change it can get up costing you. I, I, this literally happened, a one-word change in one document in the middle of this fight that I caught that the lawyers didn't even catch would have put us on a hook for like $240,000 worth of wind machines. We would have had to pay for it, and that was not the understanding. And so they'll stick stuff like this into paperwork, and you've got to watch out for it. And then later, 
you know, two years later, you come back and they say, well, this is what's written down here. This is what this means. And you're stuck with it. You know, things like that. I just got fed up with it. It's like, who wants to fight this battle all the time? And did you and perceive that as to seem being like. about the people that you were dealing with who were somewhat unsavory in the way they do business? <clears throat> or did you think that was endemic of, of a larger issue? Um, I think that people I was dealing with were particularly bad, worse. and But at the same time, it is endemic of a larger issue, which is that business has just gotten more and more cutthroat and you have to watch out for yourself more and more and you know we could have been sitting here in probably 1980 and saying the same thing it's just been a gradual turning of the wheel mm-hmm. you know quarterly reports nobody does business with a handshake anymore so you can look at that and you can say well isn't he you know isn't that quaint you know michael can't deal with it you know but one thing i proved to myself is yes i could deal with it i just realized i don't want to you know why should i I'm, I'm not really a farmer by nature. That's not my interest. Right. And I would have had to, to really do a good job, and I would have wanted to do an excellent job. I could have grown grapes on my own. I could have made a lot more money than I was making. But I, and I was literally sitting there thinking, okay, I got to go to UC Davis. I got to start taking viticulture courses. I've got to learn a lot more about contract law and leasing. I've got to learn, you know, and then I'm going, why? Why am I doing all this? I'm, I'm 61. I'm 62 years old. I don't really want to be a wine grape farmer. But in order to continue with this and have any kind of success, I got to really, you know, and I'm going to be working like, you know, 10 hours a day, five or six days a week. You got to stay on top of everything. That's what it's like. People who love the business and want to do that kind of thing, they'd probably relish that. I think it would probably be a blast. I think you know? that's true of, of, of any business. Maybe I mean, so, yeah. I, I think you and I have talked a little bit about this, but it, you know, most people know. I mean, I spent 25 years in Hollywood. Right. And it was fun and it was great, but 25 years takes its toll. Yeah. And the business changes and you get older and the business gets younger. And at a certain point, you just say, you can't become 50 years old or 60 years old or anything and still be, you know, knocking your head against the wall and trying to, to do deals. Right, exactly. I mean, that's true of so many businesses. Yeah. And if you just sit there and just kind of float along, you're going to get taken advantage of, whether it's intentional. Either, that or, no, either that or nothing's going to happen. Yeah. You're just going to get yeah, yeah. run over. Right, you're going to get run over. That's another way to put it. I mean... So, you know, you have to stay on top of every little thing, even from well-meaning people, because they don't know what you want or what's in your best interest. They're going to do what's in their best interest. And that's always not uh, a good thing for you, other people's best interests, even if they mean no harm. So you have to work at it. And, uh, you know, I just I don't want to be a great farmer. I want to I want to be a preacher. Right. I want to be somebody who teaches people meditation and spirituality and all those kinds of things excites me much more. So I don't know. Maybe I'll find out that's a cutthroat business. Right. You know? Probably. I have no <laughs> idea. Maybe for it weddings is. out there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but no weddings here. Yeah. Um, do you think that that's what you're going to keep on doing? You think Ohio is the last stop? I have no idea. I have no idea. I know it's the next stop, mm-hmm. and we'll see how long it plays out. I mean, it might. I might crash. I might. You know, two years into it, I might go. What in the world was I thinking? I'll just do something else. Maybe then we move to Santa Fe. Who knows? Well, come back to Napa. Or come back to Napa. Yeah, on a different basis. <laughs> but something needed a change in my life. So that's that's what it is. And when you look at 
the way the politics played out here, the degree to which you were involved, and I mean, you were talking earlier about, you know, you were on one side of an issue, you lost on that side. But overall, what what do you come away with as your impression about the way politics works in Napa? Oh, Napa's great. I mean, Napa, one of the things about Napa that it's a, it's, it, it still has that traditional farming community kind of vibe to it. And even though people don't probably mostly remember it, it left kind of an energy that's here of working together, of helping each other out. Uh, you see tremendous help between departments. A good example is when Jerry Brown and the state legislature came down with the prison thing, and we were going to have to keep a lot more of our prisoners mm-hmm. so they could they could right. uh, reduce populations. And in Napa, the head of the prisons, the sheriff, the head of the police, the county people, the city people, you know, they all got together and they worked together and they came up with a great plan and they handled it beautifully. Most counties and cities, it would just turn into a competition for money between all the right. different department heads. So that that example, when I watched that, kind of stood out in my mind. So people really work hard to work together here. And there is a strong tradition of cooperation and community here. And I think that's unbeatable. I, 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 don't, I don't think there's very many places in California that you can say that of. I mean, I'm sure it'll be very different. I mean, if you get involved in Ojai, I mean, certainly the city part of it is, is small, as you say. Yeah, very small. But Ventura County is a lot bigger, yeah. a lot uh, much uh, larger animal to wrestle than right. Napa County. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to get involved in politics down there. I'm not thinking about it. Probably just because I know some things about it. Um, I'm going to go, I'll probably go to some supervisor meetings or some, especially city council. Ventura is much bigger. It's like, I don't like the size, you know, it's too big. I mean, the the I think there's like 250,000 people in Ventura, something like that. It's big. The city of Ventura. I don't, the county, the I think, is The city is 110. Right. I think the county is larger than that. Uh, no. No, I'm pretty sure about that. I looked that up. Uh, the city of Ventura has got about um, 110,000. And the county of Ventura has 250,000. Hmm. So what are the other big cities in Ventura? I think... Is Thousand Oaks in Ventura? I'm not even sure. Oxnard is. Camarillo. Camarillo, Oxnard. Thousand Oaks is in L.A. County. Yeah, I think you're right. So, and then what's out there? There's Santa Paula and Fillmore. Those aren't very big towns, but they're, so, um, yeah. So most of the people live in Ventura, and they probably, a lot of people ride around outside the city limits of Ventura, too. So... Are there a lot of second home people in yeah, Ohio? Yeah, I thought so. I think so. I think yeah. it's like St. Helena in that regard. And it's very loose. I mean, no regs at all. I mean, this house we were going to buy, the guys, there's no TOT. There's no, you know, vacation rental by owner is fine. They don't do anything about it. Uh, there's no, you know, uh, he's doing weddings there. He's doing all kinds of events. Show up there. There's six, eight people living there, coming and going. He's got two illegal home sites somebody's living in the pool house with a it's got a stove and a refrigerator in the pool house with a big bed somebody's li- you know it's just like it's a regulatory nightmare but i think that the place is kind of hippified it's kind of hippy dippy a little bit right and you know, nobody seems to care but maybe i don't know that's their culture i don't know see that's why i'm going to be cautious i mean i mean i want to get in the middle of all that you know <laughs> well it sounds like it's a very different culture yeah i mean it's uh it's not big business. There's not as much money at stake. No. I think most of the money that's there is people who come in with it. 
like I will be. Mm-hmm. And like there's a some fair amount of movie stars that live there, people, wealthy people that have second homes, uh, that sort of thing. The golf course you mentioned is right. very well known right. and is very pricey. So they get they get people coming through there all the time, but I think they come in from outside of town or there's probably you know there's a certain level right and you're close people. to Santa Barbara and Montecito and, right uh, yeah so those very nice areas up there Santa Barbara's really nice we've gone through there and stayed there a few nights on the way down that'll feel like uh, read the paper there that'll feel like Napa I mean they're crazy about regulations and oh yeah you know, growth and all, all sorts of issues there. I see yeah Ojai is not like that Ojai <laughs> is very kind of cash and uh, maybe that's better though. You know, a more relaxed atmosphere. If they're they're not having a lot of, they're so small. That's the pro- thing of it is, is like in Napa, you have to pay attention to that because there's practically a high housing crisis in Napa. We need housing. That's the biggest problem I think Napa has right now is they need more housing, and so then you do turn to regulations because you don't want. A bunch of the available housing stock to go over to vacation rentals. Well, there's nothing you can do. Well, vacation rentals, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody always laments. I mean, I don't, but people, oh, you know, the St. Helena's, you know, 60, 50, 60% second homes now. Calistoga's increasing in second homes. Well, you can't stop that. You're right. You can't stop that. People can buy a house. Exactly. They can just leave it sit. They don't have to use it. Right. But vacation rentals are a big issue in in Napa County and St. Helena and the city of Napa. They're not in Ohio. And I suppose if there was, they were having housing problems there, you know, they might wake up to it, but they probably aren't. So nobody really cares. And so, which is fine. Um, but, but if they were in need of housing, they'd probably start paying more attention to it. Uh, but obviously they're not. So, so to them, probably it just brings in money. Why stop it? Right. You know? And how is the city financially of Ojai? Do you know? I have no idea. I hope it's okay. Water is expensive. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They have one one water system. The, this corporation owns it, and they charge about four times as much as the re, you know the city's divided sort of in half. And and it's ran, it seems random. I mean, on one street, that's w- when you're looking to buy a house there, and you say, well, are they with Golden State Water or are they with Casitas Water? Because and it just it's no rhyme or reason. They don't even have a map showing you which is which. But if it's Golden State water, it's going to be about four times as expensive as Casitas water. Casitas is the local municipality. Mm-hmm. Golden State is a corporation that went out and bought up a bunch of water systems. Uh, and they're a big company. They just kept jacking up the rates. You know, They're, just, they're paying their executives four times as much. They probably have stockholders. They're paying dividends, whatever. So it's kind of like – so there, I know there's a big war, a big political war going on with the citizens down there with Golden State water. Uh, Sounds very Chinatown-like. Yeah, they just won. Uh, uh, They've had lawsuit and court judgment. I think it went all the way to the state Supreme Court. Uh, And I think they're wresting control of of Ojai Water away from Golden State. So that's all going on. I don't know if I'll get involved in all that. Uh, I can see that twinkle in his eye. That's not why I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But you can't. I mean, in a way, you can't. 
help yourself. I mean, you're, you're interested. Oh, yeah? I mean, I, it's curiosity, yeah. right? I mean, you, yeah. as you said well, it's before. it's something I know about. I'm going to go to some meetings, and you'll go to meetings, and you'll have an opinion, <laughs> and you'll have an opinion, and you'll speak up, yeah. and you'll sound intelligent about it, and somebody <laughs> will say, hey, Michael, you seem to know about this. Why don't you come to yeah, this meeting? Yeah. And next thing you know, you're on a board, and yeah. then the next thing you know, you're on another board. That's Could how happen. it happens. Could happen. We'll see. Um, after everything... That's gone on here the last three years. I'm probably just going to sleep a lot, to be honest with you, and play golf. I'm trying to get my golf game up. I started to play a little bit more. I'm terrible. I used to be pretty good. One of my highlights was shooting a 78 at Silverado. Wow. But I could get anywhere near that now. So I'm so rusty because I just haven't been able to play. But So I'm thinking more about that than I am about you know running for city council or whatever. Right. Well, that's what you're thinking about. I mean, do you look at it as a kind of retirement play in yeah. some ways? A little bit. Uh, although I, I have to work, I need to work, so I'm going to work. But um, I'm going to be in a position where I don't have to work and I don't need the money. So it's a little different. Yeah. So it's sort of retirement. I you know, I I could say that I've been retired for twenty years already. Really, I mean, I haven't really had to work. I mean, w- the way we had the vineyard set up, I didn't have to spend a lot of time with it. Right. So, I had, as you know, I mean, look at all the boards I was on and all the things I was doing. But that's the work I was doing then, even though none of it was paid. I was just devoting myself to public service, and of all the things that you've done here all the boards, all the things you've been involved with, what was the most fulfilling? What was the most rewarding? Uh, it was definitely being on the register editorial board. Really? That was that was a kick. That was a blast because there's a lot of power that board has. It's amazing. I mean, if they write an article on wine or they editorialize about wine, that's read worldwide in the wine industry. The Napa Register, just because it's the hometown newspaper, they may not know doodly squat about wine, but, but it, because it, it's, so there's a lot of power there. And, and the thing of it is, is that when people come in there, we saw everybody. It's almost like you feel like you're the, you know, you're the, you're the big judge and everybody's got to come and see you and they've got to answer all your questions. So every, you know, from Mike Thompson on down, every political person, every head of every group, they're vying to get in there and talk to us. And what I loved about it is I got to say whatever I wanted to say to them. I got to ask them any question I wanted to ask, and they had to answer it. They couldn't, you know, you could go to Thompson's office as just a regular citizen and say, you know, Mike Thompson, I'm, I'm upset about this. What do you say about that? And he can blow you off to one of his subordinates or something, right? Not if he's at the editorial board meeting. So I took advantage of that, and I, I re- really raised a lot of issues with people that I thought were important. To what extent, I mean, that was good for you to have an opportunity to talk to them and an opportunity to raise issues. To what extent do you think that anybody today pays much attention to editorials in a newspaper? Oh, whether, they do. whether it's the Register or the New York Times. I'm. This is a broader question. In Napa, question. they do. Uh, oh, well, as a generic question, um, I think that people do. Because what else... People are looking for other opinions, and and there's a lot of opinions. But there's a lot of opinions online. A lot of them you can get. (laughs) So yeah, maybe uh, maybe like with the New York Times, I don't read their editorials, although I do read a lot of their articles. But in Napa, people do. People do. uh, You know, maybe more than any one source, 
read those editorials in the Napa paper, especially the print edition, uh, because there's really no other place in Napa to get those kind of opinions. So there's a lot of, there is a lot of interest and people do notice it. I'll ask random people at times, did you see our article on, you know, whatever? And they'll, oh yeah. I mean, hardly anybody ever says they didn't see it. They do see it. And, you know, if you live here, you just, you do. Yeah. It's the small towniness of it. Right, exactly. I'm not sure what influence they really have. People see them, but. It's uh, a starting point for discussion. I mean, it's it's like the print, it's like saying the print edition. I mean, it's like how many people get, even have the print, you know, the dead tree edition anymore? Uh, A lot, actually, in Napa, because it's kind of Napa, you know. Uh, uh, I don't. I read it online. Sure. I don't know what the numbers are, but they still print a lot of papers. Uh, well, it's a starting point for discussion. People who agree with the editorials are gratified by it and feel supported by it. People who disagree are annoyed, and sometimes they write in letters. But it's a good starting point for discussions, and it does shape a lot of opinions. And I've had people come back to me, even the comments, you know, in the blogs. They call them blogs. They're really just comments They're on just articles. Comments. Some of the comments. Among the same 22 people, plus Michael Haley. <laughs> some of the comments, I mean, I remember going into a supervisor's meeting, and I, you know what? I don't even remember what the subject was, but I think it was this something about the water up in Calistoga or something. And I just got in there, and I said, look, here's the facts. This is what it is. So more or less, you know, all of you just shut up. And uh, Bill Dodd came up to me in the supervisor's meeting. He says, you shut down that whole thing. When you wrote that one comment, there was all this trouble brewing and the whole thing just stopped and you just shut it down. So sometimes it does have a lot of impact on people. It probably just depends. Um, Do you think that they try? I mean, you were on the board, so I mean, I'll ask you, too, because you were part of the process. To, to bend over backwards sometimes to not offend anybody or try and be too fair or try and be too, let me put it bluntly, namby-pamby about even the things they're for or against? Uh, not, not when I'm involved in the editorial. Um, you don't want to be mean to people, and you don't want to go out of your way to insult people, so you try to write things in a, a nice Unless way. Unless you're Donald but Trump. I, I think we were pretty... You know, some of the subjects I don't care about that much, or right. they're not, they're not that important. Some of it is just you got to crank something out every week. So, what's the best thing we got this week? You know, sometimes that happens. Right. Let's face it. So those probably could very well seem that way because if you're just cranking out something to get something in the paper, you're not going to write something to offend people, if, especially if it's not something you know you're passionately. Right. But um, other than that, no, I think we've we've done some really pointed things and uh, criticized a lot of people. Um, and we've had people get upset with us, definitely. I mean, you're out to get me. I mean, this guy at, uh, I don't know if I should out this guy. Oh, well, I don't care because I, I thought You're moving. Was, uh, yeah, I'm moving, and <laughs> I thought he was ridiculous. Uh, the guy who runs uh, Justin Siena High School. And we did it. He came in to talk to us, and his whole attitude was that we were going to automatically agree with him. And I'm sitting there thinking when he's talking, buddy, you're in an editorial board. We're here to pass judgment. We are the big judges here. Yeah, I'm mad at them because I think they chickened out. I mean, they should have really tried to develop that parcel. Maybe they should have, but none of us liked it. I sure didn't like it because, you know, it's just bad planning. And it. You know, he's in there telling it was strictly for the money. They just picked whatever that would make them the most money without taking any consideration for the impacts that it was going to have on the people around them. Plus, he presented to, you know, 
I don't know, this isn't public knowledge, but he presented another plan that they could do that wouldn't have any of those impacts. And but it was just and there was no real reason well, why not do that then and skip all this hubbub, you know, I don't know. But um you know, and maybe there's some reason, you know, if I confronted him with that. But anyway, he called up and we were backstabbers and you know, he was really upset, you know, he felt betrayed. I think, how can you feel betrayed by an editorial board? You know, their their job isn't to agree with you. It was almost like he just expected us to agree mm-hmm. with him. And um, that happens. It seemed like something like that happened every three or four editorials. That the, you know, people that we were criticizing got really upset and called back in and uh, complained about it. And they really lean on him. And I, I'll tell you, and by him I mean Sean Scully and Michael Donnelly before him. And people may not realize this, but, you know, elected officials and other people such as Mr. Jordan at at Justin Siena, you know, and other developers and people around town, they call and push their point of view. You know, they really do. Um, I mean, and they can sometimes get threatening. There's a lot of, you know, that kind of thing going on in the background in Napa. Um, People speak right up. That's a good thing. But that's that's true in Malta. I don't. I don't. It goes on in San Francisco, too. Yeah, it probably goes, it goes on, on everywhere. It goes but everywhere. I don't think it's a good thing. I mean, I think there's a line you can cross, and I think the line gets crossed where you're threatening people, uh, attempting to ad- intimidate them, threatening their careers. Uh, you know, I'll make sure you never get elected. I'll make sure you're, you know, we're going to do something so you can't get your j- another job the in this problem town. Is you know, that all this kind of the threatening. Pro- the problem is that it's, it's only bad when it's bluster. If you really can intimidate someone, then it's good. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's worse. Well, you better do it then. Maybe That's it exactly. I agree with yeah. you. you know, if you're going to do it, you yeah. got to be able to before whoever it is gets to cause governor. it happen. Right? <laughs> yeah, you never know what's going to happen ten years from now. That's it. But that kind of thing does go on. I, I think um, probably, hopefully, not too much. But I've definitely run across it, um, and, and people using their positions to uh mostly people want to hang on to their jobs it's amazing you know politicians they don't show it to the public because it's unseemly but once they get in those jobs boy they just hang on to them with their nails somehow it becomes which is another thing i don't want to do you know is just hang on to a position just because i'm in it um but yeah i mean they get in them and they like it apparently it suits them and they do not do not want to step out and they will do quite a lot you know that we know that about elected officials um and and i sometimes i wonder why you know is real is county supervisor is city council is it really that great of a job you know (laughs) you (laughs) will do anything to hang on to a twelve thousand what is it twelve thousand dollars a year i mean city city council council, i mean doesn't even pay essentially (laughs) i know but people like the the responsibility they yeah. like having influence on how you know what goes on in the community I right. think that's all important celebrity a local celebrity it mm-hmm. gives them a sense of importance and you know that's why you got to admire uh, uh, my brain I'm 62 year old brain here Keith Caldwell mm-hmm. does his two terms steps down he could keep going he, did, he didn't get that bit by the bug and he kept right. his own sense of equanimity about it and appropriateness and Found somebody, you know, kind of a backup person to take his place when he left, who's high quality, I think. And, I um, you know, you got to admire that. 
Well, he was tired of it, maybe. Yeah, that's all he intended to do. So, but still, um, I don't know. I mean, those jobs really are not intended to be career positions, I don't think. I, th- I think the Tea Party people are right about that. And I think the government would work better sometimes if more people got involved. We definitely need to get some younger people um, involved in our local political process. Well, it's here. interesting. I find it interesting. I was talking to somebody about this literally just yesterday that we seem to have younger people interested in or moving into the supervisor's position. I mean, you've got Ryan Gregory running. Yeah. You've got Bill Yahoo, you know, is unopposed. You've got Alfredo who will get reelected. So you've got a lot of youthful energy around that, and I think that's fantastic. On the city council side, not so much. I mean, Mary— but, she got appointed. Right. But yeah. beyond that, it's, you know, it's the old guard, some of whom are doing a great job, and I don't mean right. to criticize them, but it's— Well, they'll do a—you know, in some ways, they'll do a better job. I mean, experience, you know, when you're interviewing somebody for a job, you look for experience, right? Because people who've done it know what they're doing. So that that's true, you know. I think that Diane Dillon, with all her experience, there's a lot she knows and can do that a first-year person is not going to be able to do— but sometimes you just need that refreshment. Some, and I'm not speaking against Diane. I think she's doing a great job. I, I think she's doing fine. Yeah. And I've been tough on her over the years. Yeah, that's I think true. She's doing fine. Yeah, me too. I ran against her, actually, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> at yeah. one point there. But uh, um, but it's just that you got people have to start somewhere. And when you have somebody younger who comes in with a different point of view and different perspective, they'll innovate. They'll think of things that people who've been stuck in it for a long time right. would never think of. People who don't live here sometimes will come in and say things and they go, wow, you know, I never looked at it that way. And, you know, that doesn't really fit. That doesn't make sense. So then you start thinking about it and you're thinking, well, why not? It just because we're used to thinking of it that way doesn't mean there's not a better way to do it. And so there's a resistance to change, creating new thoughts, innovating. So why do you new think- younger people will will be more likely to do, I think. As somebody then that's looked at this, why do you think that there hasn't been more youthful energy and more younger people, young relatively, of course, younger people wanting to run for city council job? Well, for one thing, it doesn't pay. Usually when you're younger, I mean, almost always when you're younger, you're just struggling to build a career, right? Which means you don't have money. And so you look at those jobs and you're thinking, I'm working my tail off at this winery as an assistant winemaker or a marketing person or whatever job it is. Even somebody like Mary is a lawyer. I mean, I think it would be even hard for Mary to do it if her husband wasn't full time working with her. I mean, they're basically two two people in one when when you use them as a lawyer. Right. Which means she's got time because her husband can take care of business when she's busy. So they don't have time. You know, Alfredo talked to me about that. He said it's really tough for him. Because he's working full-time at the bank, and he's trying to build a career at the bank. And being a city council person is a full-time job. So, you know, hopefully you got a lot of energy. So I think that's a lot of it right there. Also, uh, you know, you do learn things by living life. I think Mary and Alfredo are both very exceptional people. They're exceptionally talented. They're mature beyond their years. They know how to deal with people. Mary is really super smart person. Uh, Alfredo is, too. so I think that uh, your attention turns to public service as you get older. 
So a lot of younger people, uh, you know, don't don't turn their attention and they don't have the money and the time to do it anyway. So I think that's that's a lot of it right there. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. You get to watch it from afar. Yeah. You're still going to read the register online every day. I can read it every day online <laughs> and see what's going on around here. Elections are always interesting. Yeah, that's right. You're leaving before uh, a lot of elections coming up next year. I mean, in 2016. Yeah. yeah. That's We've true. Got city council, mayor, I know. Board of supervisors. I have to familiarize myself with Ventura. Uh, what's going on down there? I, I don't even know, but I'll worry about that after I get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll plunge in. Yeah. Is there a? Uh, you may not know this. I mean, is there a local news? Uh, 7,500 people. Is there the equivalent of the Saint Helena Star? Uh, yeah. It, it comes out two days a week. I've been reading it. Mm-hmm. I've been reading it. Uh, it comes out on Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, twice a week kind of odd and you think well tuesday and friday or monday and thursday but right. it's wednesday and friday and it's you know it's a very small towny paper very small town um but yeah they have a paper and it's online so well I've it's sort reading. of like the saint helena star you know. the star yeah it's yeah the star might even be better than <laughs> i don't know that's boy talk about damning with faint praise star comes out at once a week yeah right i mean but so the thing, they got, they the, got more time the to thing about the star stories. the thing about the star and i always sort of you know make this a little contest every week can you read everything in the star in under six minutes and generally the answer is yes yeah. way under six minutes oh but you do, you're not reading the letters to the editor though obviously. oh the letters absolutely that's all you read you know you the letters to the editor a couple of the columns that's it. I mean, the only thing you skip, if you want to read all the real estate ads, it's going oh, yeah. to take a little longer. But everything else in the paper, six minutes and under, max. Yeah, two or three stories, you know, mm-hmm. and one of them is, you know, kids have balloon party at the school, you know, that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah. Well, oh. the Ohio paper is the same. I mean, you know, goat escapes neighbor's yard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Golf ball hits through window. Yeah, exactly. Film at eleven. Headline, headline <laughs> of the paper that day. Yeah. <laughs> but you like, but you you think you like small towns. I know I do. Yeah, yeah, I know I do. But could you live in a big city again? Uh, it doesn't attract my interest. No, not really. No, you're too, you're too anonymous there. It's too. But there's something. There's also something nice about that that a lot of people like. I liked it when I was younger. I think it's better when you're young um, because you get involved in a lot of things and you like the action, you like the energy. I'm not looking for energy and action now. I'm looking for peace and rest and quiet and meditation and talking to people and having conversations. Slower lifestyle. It's my age. What happens as you get older, I think? Yeah. For some of us. For some of us. Yeah. yeah. Others Not all as, of us. As, in this other, room, at least. Others, as we get older, <laughs> want to crank it up even more to sort of fight the ravages of age. Yeah, I see. Yeah, well, that's another <laughs> another possibility, but yeah, so. I mean, yeah. you you do look, I mean, I must say, you do look at, polit- it, this is true more of, of politicians and more in Washington than it is anywhere else, certainly more so than in, in Sacramento or in other places. Guys that are women, too, it's not limited, you know, in their 80s and running for re-election. That's true. I mean, that's yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Some of these U.S. senators that, right. in the 90s. Right. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. But it's like an addiction, though. They get in, addicted to the attention and the celebrity aspect and, and that kind of thing. And it's like something to do. It's a rush. It's a high all the time. And um, I don't feel that. I never felt that. So that's probably why it's easier for me to walk away. I enjoy it. I feel that from people. I like the attention up to a point, 
but then it kind of goes away. It fades pretty quickly. Uh, some people, it's they're just like junkies for it, mm-hmm. and they just thrive on it. And so if they're good at it, well, maybe yeah. that's their thing. I mean, you see it in business, too. but it, it, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've never been like that. Maybe I am just get bored. I don't know what it is, but um, a lot of changes. I've done a lot of different jobs. You know, at times I've told people, well, I did this. I, I owned a pharmaceutical recruiting firm. I traded stocks, my own stocks, for three years. I, You know, I've done a lot of different things. Right. My whole life has gone that way. But I've gotten a lot out of each one of those things, and I enjoy all that. So maybe that's just me i, I just need to have a need you for just a lot need, of different need change yeah need change and, and, and what's interesting i mean it, it sort of bring it all back around to to napa and, and leaving here is that one of the issues that is so central to here i mean and you've you know you've dealt with it in so many different ways is the resistance to change oh yeah you know, I mean, that's Never the ending. fundamental debate. You yeah. can peel away whether it's housing, whether it's wineries, whether whatever it is. Yeah. So much of it is about resistance to change. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And so much of it is kind of hysterical and doesn't make any sense either. But it's a good in the end, it's a good thing, though, because it forces people to slow down and really look at it and carefully examine it. Maybe I think it goes too far a lot, but but it it is a useful function. That resistance is a useful useful function, and it does make things better in the long run, I think, uh, over time. It causes damage, too, mm-hmm. but I think on balance, it's a good thing. You've got to think these things through. And once you do, you know, everybody protests, you know, the size of the wineries on 29, right? So there's a lot of resistance. Not everybody. Or, or a lot of people. <laughs> enough people that it becomes this slow, laborious right. process. And so then you can pull your hair out and say, it's ridiculous. It's not going to cause more traffic. Even if it does, we're going to get more traffic anyway, et cetera, et cetera. But it does, it does make projects better in the end, a lot of times. Sometimes. It makes them better. I, I agree with that. It becomes more efficient. Uh, they get better at managing the traffic that they are going to create, ma- better at managing the parking. You know, it's created a lot of uh, uh, good things out of it overall, over I, a long I, period of time. I, I'm always torn by that. I mean, I think that that's really a good point because I have seen sometimes process and the slowing down of things to the extent that they still happen just more slowly result in a better product. Yeah. And I say that, that as happen. somebody who despises process, yeah. as you yeah. know. Yeah, right. <laughs> But right. sometimes and it not does just work. for that location, though, too. Not just for a particular project, but they learn things from that that they can then apply other places down the road. So there's a lot of benefit in there. But uh, you know, I do agree with you. Sometimes it just gets absurd. I mean, Napa Pipe, you know, that's probably the winner. But that's see, that's why it was such a big change for Napa, though. Napa really took a turn over Napa Pipe. I, I believe that. And how so? I'm looking at it culturally. I'm looking mm-hmm. at it. Sort of like almost like as a flow of energy, right? Well, it's when people made the decision that they wanted to let Napa grow more and just to allow that and for that to be okay. So I think Napa is going to grow quite a bit more now. It's going to grow at a faster rate and it's really going to step things up and really change the entire community just because the community made that decision. It was a real turning point for Napa, Napa Pipe. And even at less than a thousand units, what is it, nine hundred and something units? Still the biggest housing project in Napa history. You're going to see more and bigger Napa uh, housing projects, I think, in Napa, and not just Gasser, which has already been approved. But there's going to be a push. They're going to have to expand this uh, this city, um, and and they will. And I think 
the mood of the public changed on that sort of just made a turn right there. Well, it's also a, the the other part of it is that it's a different kind of product. I mean, the people that are going to be buying those places at Napa Pipe. I mean, I would venture to say. I mean, I have you know nobody has a crystal ball. But, you know, half of them are going to be second homes and probably more than half. Yeah. And I mean, probably every you do another 500 housing project, you're going to get the same thing. So we're just stuck with that here. But at least the other I mean, half are NV- going to. NVUSD is dealing with this right now just in terms of looking forward at the demographics of the community and seeing that school enrollment is going to continue to shrink. Really? You know, they're talking about consolidate. They're trying to consolidate some elementary oh, right. schools. The population is getting older in some ways. I mean, it's either older or way younger, as you I were talking you, about yeah, before. I think you're going to see that change. I really think and you're going to see that change. You're not going to see families. You're not going to see as many kids in school. Um, it's going to change. And well, see, that's why we need to build housing, because those people, those families want to move here. You know, those younger people with kids, they're probably working in jobs here already. And they're driving in from Fairfield or Vallejo or neighboring communities and i think th- th- there's so much pressure to build housing here not just affordable housing but also workforce housing if we call it that yeah i, t- I don't see that happening though i just don't see that getting you don't built. think it's going to happen no I don't. they don't think that you, they're going to no. really build any housing no. here well okay. i think there'll be more housing built but it's going to be more like napa pipe housing i don't think you're going to see subdivisions i don't think you're going to see families it's not i mean you have to look at i mean in my this is yeah you know, it, it, it is going to continue to gentrify. It'll be it'll continue to be a world-class resort. And for models, you need to look at, you know, look at the Hamptons, look at Aspen, look at Vail, look at, um, you know, Santa Fe even. And, you know, look at those kind of places and see. Yeah, maybe so. I, I To me, it seems like I'm seeing so many more young people and people with children than I used to see new people <coughs> moving in. But that could just be, you know, my subjective you know, yeah, misinterpretation. Because the demographers, you know, and the, the consultants that the school district has hired basically conclude there'll be less kids, right. essentially. Well, I think it's a good thing then that they consolidate those schools, and they have to be mindful of money. I was reading the comments in the Register article about it, and the parents are all saying, all they're thinking about is money, you know. They're making all these decisions based on money, and they're not thinking of the kids. And I'm kind of like, yeah, well, good. They do have to think about money. Guess what? They don't have unlimited funds right. to and, pay for things and, here. And, and, of course, they never make the leap that the money is determinative of how well the system works for the kids. You know? Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, just because they're consolidating, consolidating schools doesn't mean the education is going to get right. worse. It might get better. but Or, really, probably it's unrelated. It's going to be interesting to watch. And as I mentioned earlier, you get to watch it from afar. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You can write letters in occasionally. Well, uh, I stopped, actually, because I kind of felt, you know, I'm leaving, so, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a you know, skin in the game anymore. Uh, but once I leave, I might, because my status will be known. For a long time there, I didn't tell anybody what I was up to. Right. But at the same time, I felt, you know, I'm not going to be here, so is it really fair to me be pontificating all these opinions about everything? So well, I kind of backed off. Arguably, it's more fair because you don't have a dog in the fight. You're just giving your objective opinion Might based on your objective. own experience yeah. here. Well, if if that's the case, then I think basically people just need to accept that Napa's going to grow, that we're going to have more wineries, that we're going to have more traffic, that more people are going to move in here. And that's very positive. I mean, there's a lot of positives about that. It may not be the kind of community 
that you thought you were coming to when you moved here, in which case you can do what I'm doing. No, which slowly is becoming what I'd like to see. <laughs> yeah. you the opposite for some people, That's right? right. <laughs> but for the people that are complaining, right? one of the complaints is, this isn't what I expected when I got here, you know? Okay, but, you know, time moves on and community's growing. Right, and becoming even more of, it's, it's hard to imagine, but even more of a world-class destination. Oh, yeah, and, and the wine industry is rocking i mean and it's going to get better it's going to get better uh there's a lot of success and it's just going to continue i don't think i mean there's going to be dips you know there's always ups and downs with everything but i think over you know 30 years you're going to look back and you know it's going to be a kind of thing where 2015 was sort of like a base that it took off from i think that'll be more likely what it's going to look like than than not well, um, we'll see how it all plays out. And you'll have to give us reports from uh, from the front in Ojai. Okay, I sure will. Population's up to 7,512. <laughs> it's just out of control. The traffic yeah. is murder. These 12 people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Michael yeah. Haley, well, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I don't want to Thanks say one last time because you never know. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll come back after a year or whatever. When, and when I'm a mayor of Ojai, I'll come back and tell you what it's like down there that's right by comparison oh yeah. versus saint helena we'll, right. we'll do uh, a, we'll do a test okay <laughs> michael thank you so much you're welcome you're listening to napper